Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today's episode is about designing the right company organizational structure and how to really build a customer-centric culture to achieve growth. It doesn't happen automatically or by itself. You have to really know how to build that culture. And there's a lot of different views, but my guest today, Bill Stakos, knows the right way, having worked in different industries and business environments like I have. We dive into many topics, and some are debatable, such as the CXO, customer experience officer position, that McDonald's and Walmart and others have hired. Is it a short-term role strategy or are companies investing in customer experience for the long-term to gain a competitive edge? By the end of this episode, you'll have key takeaways on how to set yourself up for success that you never thought about before. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Bill Stakos. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. It's It's great to be here with you. It's nice to see you again. It's been a while. You too. I know. Well, I had the honor to be on your show. So it's only fair now that I'm hosting to have you as my guest. So thank you for saying yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, my, it's my honor. It's a privilege to be here with you. So let's get into the beginning topics. I like to ask people up front because you have done so much with your career. So Tell the audience, who are you? What do you do professionally? So I am a senior vice president at Medalla, which is, a, which is the leading customer experience management cloud-based platform. I lead a global team called Industry Solutions. It is a team that is former leaders and practitioners like you are in your day job, Stacey, and like I used to be in my former day job. And we help clients be successful um, over the long term. But beyond that, I've been in the customer experience space for over 20 years, uh, as well as employee experience. So it's been a, it's a nice change to be on this side of the fence sometimes now, actually. I get it. Now, you have done so much, as I, as I shared, about customer experience, customer success, employee experience. What's your why? Why are you so passionate about it? So it's actually, it's, it's changed over the years, over the 20 plus years I've been working in this space. I mean, originally, I really wanted to create experiences that people loved. I know as a consumer, I wanted experiences that I loved. So I wanted to be able to, you know, work as part of an organization that did that for their own customers or employees for that matter. We're now like, you know, after doing this for so long and no one's told me to stop doing it. So I continue, I will continue to do it until someone tells me to stop. It's more about helping others be successful in their roles. And, and that's what I really love about my role at Medallia. I'm helping other customer experience leaders, employee experience leaders be successful in their own right at their own companies uh, and create value for employees, for customers, for shareholders. And that, that fills my cup now. I always say that CX people, CX professionals are the nicest people you'll ever meet. 
And so when you talk about your role and, and your why, I really believe it. Everybody I meet in this frame of work is truly passion, heartfelt people. Do you find the same? So I, I do. Um, I was just speaking with um, someone this morning at a, at a regional bank, actually, and she's new to customer experience. She comes out of the business. And she said, you know, it's really fascinating to me. I, I, it's not something that I'm used to. Everyone that I talk to in customer experience is really helpful. They give me content. They give me ideas. They tell me how they're doing it. They want to trade ideas. They want to set up regular calls. I think that this community is just from a from a just professional perspective is one of the most helpful and altruistic out there. And I think that is just something that's in our nature. And we want we want other people in the same discipline to be successful just inherently. I agree. So there's a lot of people like McDonald's, Walmart, and other brands that are hiring CXOs. And the question is, there's so much discussion in the news. Do you see this as the long-term investment that companies are making? Or is this just a fad of having CXOs in companies? What's your view? So I, I personally don't think it's a fad. I think right now, just given the importance of customer experience, um, and not just from the customer's perspective, but the employee experience as well, companies are starting to realize that employee experience and customer experience are not two disciplines. In fact, we shouldn't even be talking about them differently or separately. You use the same toolkit. You're talking about the same things on some level. It's all a human-centered design toolkit for both sides. So a, a customer experience officer, or excuse me, a chief experience officer, um, is, as you know, some of the articles that you're referencing, and how like McDonald's and other very, very large brands are, are bringing into their C-suite, those individuals are covering our cross because they believe and they understand. And I'm, I didn't, I didn't say this, but I'm going to quote uh, someone on my team. Your employee's behavior is your customer experience. And you can't separate those two things out. You can't go fix the digital experience or the contact center experience and technology that customers use to maybe engage the contact center without then working on the employee experience side and making employees better and elevating them too. If you don't, the experiences are disjointed. And you've just wasted a lot of money on one side of the one side of that same coin. Very well said. Now, organizations are often trying to figure out what is the right setup. Where should CX sit in the company? What's your opinion based on being at where you are now on, on a provider of the services, and then you were also at Freddie Mac and and other places in your career. What what have you seen work well? So it really depends company by company. Um, at Freddie Mac, I reported into the COO. There was a real need from an operational perspective to think about the customer experience and how that was being delivered through product owners as an example. So we work closely with product owners as well as the broader business. At Chase, um, I reported to the CAO, Chief Admin Officer. I think now, as companies start to evolve their thinking around experience and what that means and how that can have direct impact to their overall business strategy, I think that smartly they're bringing that role into the C-suite, whether it's a Chief Customer Officer, Chief Experience Officer, 
chief customer experience officer, right? It's it's it really could, the flavor kind of depends on the company, but I think that that sits in the C-suite and helps other parts of the organization think about that their their end consumer in ways that they can be operationally better, more efficient, plug revenue leaks, drive more revenue, you know, create experiences that help companies drive the strategy that they have out there in place versus, hey, we want to increase our satisfaction five points or whatever that is, which I don't think ever should be necessarily the goal. I think that the toolkit should be used in a way, you know, if a bank wants to increase revenues by 10%, go figure out the the great experiences that drive your revenues 10% higher. Don't say we need to increase loyalty. That doesn't make sense, right? What's the sort of the business driver behind that? And how do you increase loyalty that helps achieve that business goal? Marketing. I've been in marketing and sales. I fell fell into CX, ironically. My question is, where does marketing play in your perspective? The CMO, the CXO, does marketing report into experience? Does the customer experience report into marketing? Is there a blend? Lots of different views on this. What is yours? So I think that when you look at companies like Walmart, when you look at companies like McDonald's now, marketing is reporting into the CXO. And I think that's a really interesting trend, right? At the end of the day, marketing, and and look, I'm not a marketer, so this may be overly simplified and I'm sure I'll get you know, some hate mail from marketers perhaps for saying this, but, you know, marketers are there to help define that, that promise to the end consumer. What does that be? You know, what is that? What, what do we stand for as a company? And what should you expect from us? The, the experience team should be able to connect the, that promise with what is actually happening at the ground level, in-store, online, on an app, etc. So that, so consumers and consumers and left like, gosh, I really thought that they stood for something completely different. And now I've got this bad experience, in-app experience. It really doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to deal with this organization anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. So so I I, I don't know if CX should report into the CMO or CMO should report into CX. I think that is a very business specific decision based on where a company is and their evolution and maturity. Um, but I do know that the chief marketing officer and the head of customer experience or a CXO, they need to be lockstep. As much as the CXO needs to be lockstep with the CFO. So if they're not partnering well, it will create a lot of friction. And frankly, the it's not just sort of, you know, the, the consumer and the employee will lose out in the long run. Um, and that's And that's not fair to them. And that clearly will have an impact on the overall business and their performance. I'm glad you brought the CFO topic as well because I go around my workplace and I continue to tell everyone they have a CX job. (laughs) And they're like, well, no, because I'm back office. No, I don't. I said, oh, yes, you do. (laughs) Let me tell you why. (laughs) And and finance is, is part of it, a huge part of it because obviously you can't pay your bill. That's a huge pain point. Doesn't matter that the buying experience was delightful without every moment of truth, it's a problem. And so that's part of what you do in Medallia. And we're not 
promoting any brand here. We're just talking nope. about in general that the 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 importance of platforms can help companies really be able to measure the customer sentiments and feelings and likelihood to recommend and all of that through the journey. Agree? Any Anything to add to that? So I think it's really, so, you know, the really important point there is, is having a journey mindset and moving away from a product mindset uh, to a journey mindset. And not just, you know, your, your, your customer data, you know, through a survey or, 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 or something else, but, you know, as you alluded, getting behavioral data, operational data, financial data, um, sentiment, all really baked into the way that the analysis that you're doing, the questions that you're asking through the journey to be able to identify real business metrics that are being impacted by the experiences that are being delivered. I've always mm-hmm. said the two most important people in any CX leader's relationship and like within the first five minutes of starting at a company, go get coffee with these individuals is the CFO and the CHRO. Because ultimately you need to understand what's happening for, at the employee level you will bring that customer perspective and you need to understand like what business metrics matter at this company. How do we make money, right? What, what measures do we care about? What goals do we have around those measures? You need to absolutely be tying your work to those financial metrics and absolutely be tying your work to those employee metrics. I agree. I had some jobs where I was the only one with those metrics tied to my objectives. And it made my job hard because when I would bring, I was managing an, an e-commerce channel and when customers couldn't add to cart, they couldn't check out, I would bring that to the different website department owners who could fix that. And they had different goals than I did. So it wasn't urgent to them. And that's why you need everybody's buy-in and you need everybody measured in the same way. And I, I find that's also a problem when you talk about omnichannel before. If your online department has a set of goals and your retail store offline has a different set of goals, the customer gets lost. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Part of that though is the word channel in and of itself is a very inside out word, Right. For listeners, I'm holding up my phone. I've never called my phone a channel. But if I'm a bank or if I'm a retailer, you would call this my digital channel, right? Maybe the website could be your digital channel too. Nobody calls this a channel. No consumer in their right mind would call this a channel. I also don't think in terms of, I'm going to go to the app, I have a question, I might go to the website, I still have questions, I'm going to call the contact center. I don't think of those three things as channels. I think of them as opportunities for me to get actually get what I need done as quickly as possible. And those are the just the platforms that companies have developed for me to go execute that transaction, whatever it might be. So I think we need to stop talking and thinking about channels and think about it from the consumer outside in. And that's why that, that consistency that you're, I think, referring to. So... My in-app experience is great, but I call the contact center and it completely fails me. Not to pick on contact center folks, they're all wonderful. But that disconnect is a real problem. 
And I, I don't think that um, I don't think that organizations pay enough attention to that. And it's largely because we think in channels and we're organizationally structured with channels too. I love that example. I want to add one. I'm going to add one, sure. not from the CX hat I wear, but from a, as a consumer. I bought a product online. It didn't, a shirt for my daughter. It didn't fit. And I decided I was going to the local store and decided, let me, let me bring that shirt with me. And they said, sorry, we won't take it back. We can't take it. You bought it online. And I said, but you're the same company. (laughs) You're telling me I have to leave, can't get my money back, can't give you the product. I have to take it home and now mail it to you with a shipping cost. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. And if you bought it online, you can probably ship it to that store and go pick it up there, but they won't return a product, right? Right. So that's where I say that you're right. We can't talk in channels. It's experiences. It's one company to the customer, even though the company's siloed. But to the customer, nothing could be more aggravating. I won't shop there again because of that one story. So going back to what we were talking about, organizational design, how do you get that not to happen when you have your digital team and your, call it offline retail team, what's that structure? How do you resolve that? So that's, that's where I think organizing around journeys is really important. And not a lot of companies do that today. Some do. I think as we start to see more of a shift from product or channel mindsets to more journey-based mindsets, I think that you will see organizations move away from that type of structure more and more. And you will have journey owners um, in organizations, and you will have individuals that own multiple journeys. It won't just be the onboarding journey and have one owner, right? It'll be a couple kind of threaded together. And I think the organizations that are already starting to think that way are the ones that you buy from today that that you love buying from every day. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Um, we're still sort of in the early adopter phase, so to speak, of, of that movement. But I think you're going to see that over the next three or so years, um, maybe five, be a very new way of thinking that folks will start to adopt more. I also think that we CX professionals have the chance to be the glue in the organizations. So while all these different teams are, I hate saying silos because that sounds so negative, but it is reality in big, big companies. So we get to be the glue. So when there's, a let's say, a customer journey or experience where there's one product line or business line, let's say there, I'm in construction, one, one, Examples in the construction field. After something's built, now we want to turn it over to the service side and be able to do maintenance and repair. And so the the customer experience team gets to really look at that seamless connection because they're two different departments. They're even two different buyers and influencers. 
And so I, I encourage CX professionals and partners and platform providers to really help be the glue, bring, be the connector. Because like we said, the customer is the only, it, it, it's one company to the customer. I think that's why you see a lot of platforms and technology players, uh, the CX tech stack, so to speak, really thinking about how do you bring disparate sources of information and data together to be able to analyze it in one place. I mean, we do that at our, you know, certainly we deliver that capability where I am. And I think that's just a really important part of the work. Now, I will say that I don't know if it's necessarily for the CX team to manage and own. I think where it's going more and more is being able to democratize the platform in the organization. So folks in the back, back office, folks on the front line, they have ready access to all of those insights so they can make those real-time important decisions around the customer that can also influence and create that great experience versus a centralized team kind of managing that and distributing it out, you know, on some regular cadence. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, I think it all goes back to you need a customer experience champion at the top you need totally the champion agree. aligned and aligned with marketing and finance and HR and IT. There has to be that close alignment. Customer experience has to be at the table. Marketing has absolutely a big part of it. There's, there's some blending there. And you need the bottom up as well. Sure. 100%. It will not work without employees on the ground level that are dealing with customers all the time, not bought into it. So. so I talk about doing CX right on purpose because there's a lot of companies doing it right. There's a lot we can learn from. Who would you say is doing it right and why? What's an example? Besides where you work, because we're not going to favor where you are or I am. Huh. So no, no, no. I, Pick a I brand. wouldn't use them as an example. Yeah. So look, I think like Chick-fil-A is doing it right. What, an, what a great organization that cares deeply about their customers. Um, they pivoted really quickly during the pandemic to have individuals, like multiple people down the car line taking your order. So when you drove up, it's immediately ready there for you. The timing is impeccable. They deliver food to you. You can track where your food is. They have mission and purpose and they intentionally build experiences into the mission and purpose, right? Close on Sundays because they're a religious company, religious owners. They don't want, you know, it's God's day. They don't want to be people to be, or their employees to be working, let alone themselves. So they're closed on Sundays. I think that that is an organization that a lot of different verticals can look at as an opportunity as, as a, uh, to, to draw parallels from uh, in their own business. The food's not healthy for you necessarily, um, but I think the way that they engage you as a customer in the store or the way that they engage you outside of the store or the way that they engage you in the app, they really do try hard to meet you where you are. And then where they meet you, that experience is always consistently good, no matter what the channel is. Ah, I said, see, I use channel two. I'm guilty. Yes, you did. I was going to just say that. <laughs> Yes, you did. But what you're saying is really important because 
the examples you gave are really about how they're using technology to enhance the customer experience, but not replace the human factors. Correct. I mean, technology is not the answer. It's the question. That's how I think about tech, right? It's there to support the yes. human experience in some way, shape, or form. So even if it's a chatbot or an avatar, at the end of the day, you're trying to create a human experience and connection with your customer. If it was purely digital, there's not really a company there. Yeah, we could go into digital experiences <laughs> as a whole nother hour, but we will pause that on that. Let me ask you my final two questions. One is, if I had, I like to ask this of everyone, if I had many CEOs, CXOs, CMOs, CFOs, and other leaders in my room right now, what's the one takeaway? What's the one thing you want them to know? I would say do, do what's right, not, not don't be right. And what I mean by that, Stacey, is there are a lot of policies and procedures in place for employees and for customers. But sometimes that policy and procedure doesn't necessarily mean it allows you to do what's right by either one of those constituents in your organization. And I think a lot of companies, and certainly highly regulated companies, they've built these processes that are really tight, never any downtime, so much just thought and very a lot of detail in these processes. It limits your ability to do what's right. And I know that's a tough balance and a tough challenge. So, you know, I, I got that advice from a CEO actually from Chase, who's no longer there, but he's at a different bank now. He, he once said, he's like, don't be right, do what's right. And what he meant by that is, just don't follow the policy. Like, what's the right thing to do here for the customer or for the employee? Forget the policy. Who cares? Do what's right. Well, that's powerful. I also have heard that similarly when it even comes to relationships and friends or family, and there's some people that have to be right. And, and I say, well, how important is this topic? And do you want to be right or do you want a relationship? <laughs> yeah, that's right, right? I mean, that's it, exactly 100%. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's a good, it's a good, uh, good advice. Speaking of advice, my last question to you before we close is if you could go back to your younger self, Bill, and you can talk to 20-year-old Bill, what do you oh, know geez. now that you would have told little Bill? <laughs> you, know, you know, I I was always a smart kid. I just never applied myself very much. And I, I grew into that, thankfully. So I would I would tell my younger version you got to lean in now. <laughs> like, don't wait to lean in. Go, go, and you don't have to figure it all out, but find your lane and just start running. As, and don't wait, just get, get in there. And, um, you know, I, I, I probably got into my groove a little later in life than, than others may have. But I'd probably tell my younger self that. I bet a lot of people will appreciate that and you'll affect somebody's life listening to this because it's great advice. So now is the final bragging moment for you. 
Where can people <laughs> find you? Your podcast, be customer led. I encourage all my listeners to to tune in. It's such good content. But go ahead, Bill. Where can people find you? So I'm on LinkedIn pretty actively, and you know, if folks want to connect and just talk about CX or EX, you know, by all means, send me an invite and let's chat. Um, you know, BeCustomerLed.com is where I have a blog and also the podcast. You know, the podcast has been sort of a labor of love. I'm sure that you see that with your own podcast too. We've actually gotten a lot of success over the last year, which is pretty neat. We got voted best business podcast for 2021, which is a nice accolade. We have listeners in 80 countries now, which is, that's the one number that frankly, I really care about because it means that customer and employee experience is a global conversation and folks are tuning in. So that's the one that I, I, I'm most proud of. I can really, the awards are nice, but I can really care less about that. It's the fact that different cultures and different people are tuning in and listening, which is kind of a cool thing. Very cool. I will put the link in the show notes and you're right, it is global. I'm finding the same and we are making a difference. So thanks for being you and thanks for being here, Bill. I appreciate you. It's great to see you, uh, Stacey. It's wonderful to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.